Welcome to another episode of Mercury in the Eighth. Today, we have another interview episode. We have Alexandra Diamond, who is a healing guide. How are you doing today, Alexandra? I am so good. How are you, Alexandria? (laughs) I'm fantastic. Can we just (laughs) pause for a second and just talk about how awesome our names are? (laughs) Yeah, I I think that the best, like the moment where I was like, oh, Alexandria and I are totally going to get along was when you were like, and my name means protector of mankind. And I was like, yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like it's so nice to meet someone else who shares that name. And I, it's, it's a weird, it's like a weird club. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. I, I don't know why I got obsessed with name meetings, but I did when as a child and Yeah. And I saw defender of mankind and I was like, yes, I am. I am amazing. (laughs) Anytime I meet another Alexandria or Alexandra, I'm just like, we, we need to, to, to band together and defend. (laughs) Yeah. We are like this. It made me feel so like I was looking like when I was a kid looking Mm -hmm. up name meetings and, you know, I think my sister's name means like light or something like, you know, they were all these really feminine, delicate things like flowers. And then mine was defender of mankind. And I was all, Mm -hmm. yes, it was like a, like a superhero moment where they're like, you get the bat signal and you're like, Mm -hmm. yes, this is what I need to be doing. (laughs) And all of the intricacies that go along with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I I need to work on my uh, superhero landing then. All right. So anyway, that was a nice little tangent right to start. (laughs) So Alexandra, can you please introduce yourself? Like, what do you do? Who are you? How'd you get here? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I am a healing guide, a human design counselor, and a craniosacral therapist. I am also a huge nature lover. I am also a big proponent for dinner parties. And I think Mm -hmm. those things are all really important to say because I'm also a projector. So it's not about as much what I do in terms, but more about how, who I am, like what I'd be. (laughs) Is that that good English? Is that proper English? But you know how I'm being like, that is such much more important to me. And the work that I do is so interlinked with who I am as a human being. And that was something that I have cultivated and focused on through my early adulthood. So I started out as a body worker. I went to massage therapy school. I was, I was an actress for 13 years and then needed a career change because it's a tough industry. And this was before, this was when YouTube was like in its early phases and like Instagram had just become a thing. (laughs) This was like 2011, 2012. And, And it was difficult to break into the industry. And so I got sick of waiting tables and I thought, let me get a trade. And I don't know what led me exactly to body work. It just felt intuitive, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with it. And I, in my first year of school, learned about craniosacral therapy. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. So after I graduated, I started studying craniosacral therapy with the Upledger Institute. And through that work, it was such a beautiful blend of the science of the body the very intricate anatomy of the head and the spine and your neural pathways, as well as the somatic connection between body, mind, emotions. And that was where I was like, oh, this is the yummy spot. Like this intersection is so yummy. I find myself at a lot of intersections in life in how I define myself and what I do. And that for me just feels the best when I can kind of, I'm a kitchens environment person, you know, I can have all these ideas kind of crisscrossing and coming together in this new creative form. So when the pandemic hit and I couldn't put hands on folks, I had been studying human design for a couple of years and well, yeah, a couple of years. And I started giving readings to friends in like the end of 2019. And then by 2020, it was like, oh, this here, you have an opportunity to step into something else. And what was great was then when I was, so I started doing readings, human design readings for folks in 2020. And also when I was able to go back to hands-on work, started to find the connections. And I started feeling this in 2018, 2019, 
but started feeling the connections between the energetic circuitry in people and what was going on with them craniosacrally. So my long-term goal is to eventually be bringing that together in sessions that are both hands-on and human design based. But I also love, I'm located in Portland, Oregon. So for now, those sessions will be here, but I do also love travel and, and I love working virtually with folks. So being able to kind of have both options, again, kind of an intersection makes the most sense. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was so... <laughs> Thorough. I love it. No, it was good. You've done so many things, like so many things in your life. So I, yeah. So anyway, I appreciate the the whole gamut of, of everything. And that's such an interesting um, thing to note though, just like how it, there's, there's such a comforting there's such a comfort about knowing that you're not the only one that the pandemic had to force changes for. Oh my you gosh. Know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think every single human being, you know, there's probably a small fraction of people who are in denial about it, about mm-hmm. it affecting their life. But this was a globally effective period. It was a transformation for everyone. I mean, it's interesting that we're having this conversation now and we don't have to go too far down this road, but you know, almost a year ago we lost George Floyd. And then just the other day, just yesterday, we got the the results from the trial and, you know, Derek Chauvin was, was found guilty, which is what, you know, it, it made me start thinking, oh my gosh, a year ago, we were still, still so fresh into this pandemic and, and thinking maybe by the end of the summer, this will go away. But we were also so motivated for change and for, we were seeking community and we were seeking that movement, I think, you know, and just to look back and, and I got a little teary eyed yesterday, like, yes, from the results of the trial, but also just thinking what a year, like what an experience that we all had. And, people having conversations that maybe they hadn't had before or had been avoiding, whether that was around health or social justice or boundaries with family and friends. Like now you have the pandemic, you can blame the pandemic on being able to now have these boundaries. And now that we don't, you know, or, or not that we, we still do obviously, but that we're starting to open things up, you know, folks are starting to look at like, okay, now how do I maintain these things? You know, like, oh, I kind of liked my life being remote. I, you know, man, if I don't have to live in San Francisco or LA, where can I go? And what options do I have? You know, I think it's, we've become more aware and with awareness comes choice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, that is such a good, you know, silver lining (laughs) explanation of, of what (laughs) has been going on, but I do agree. I, I, I'm so happy that people that it forced people to start to see other options yes. um, and, and other ways of being. And I think that ultimately it, it's kind of leading more people to their own joy and their own satisfaction and their own, you know, finding their true path rather than like the one that's forced upon a lot of us. Totally. Or the mm-hmm. one that like looks the best, I guess, you know, because you have, because right. Because you might just not have opened yourself to other options. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And that's not to say that it wasn't hard. That's not, you know, I, I do have a very optimistic bend for sure. I mean, I have a stellium in Sagittarius. What do you want from me? But, but I do very strongly believe that, that you can't have that. You can't have the good without the bad. You can't, everything is balanced. Everything is, you know, this wasn't easy for most people. This was a very difficult year. It's a really difficult time, but, and being in those spaces is valid too. You know, being Mm -hmm. in the difficult part is valid too. And being in the part where things don't feel good, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not here to spiritually bypass anything. Let's, you know, let's be really clear about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To be human is, to have all of the experiences, to all to have all of the emotions and to actually feel them and move through them. So yes. it's, it's, huh, yeah. Spiritual bypassing whole other convo. We're not about <laughs> it. 
Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that is actually quite a good segue into talking about your Mercury, which is what we usually do with people that are being interviewed on this podcast, since this podcast has a very strong focus on Mercury placements being it that it's in the title. So (laughs) your Mercury is in Sagittarius, one of the planets in your Sagittarius stone, but it's also in the third house and it's in gate 11 human design. So I'll definitely, after I explain a few things, I'll absolutely turn it over to you a little bit more to discuss like what you know systematically, like human design systems and maybe even astrology as well, like what you know about how it quote unquote functions, but then we'll definitely get into like your real life experience about having this placement. So just to explain this placement a little bit, Mercury and Sagittarius in the third for one Sagittarius, we've talked about it a little bit already, like very optimistic and, and really likes to talk about things like talk about sharing new ideas and concepts. And it's very, it's such an explorative sign. One of the key words that is usually attached to Sagittarius is the philosopher. And so that that's really true to its nature is really exploring, like, what is the meaning of things? Like, what's even the meaning of life? Like, who are we as humans <laughs> who created us? Like, those are all Sagittarian questions. So I find it very interesting that the stellium, your, your Mercury is in the third house because the third house is very much about the mind and connecting ideas. So it's, it's like a bang, bang kind of thing. So it's, it's very much about kind of what we've already been talking about with your history of what you've done in the past and what you're doing now, as well as even the way that you talked about the pandemic, you know, the, the positive sides, if we want to say that way of like, finding new things. So it's very, very consistent with all of that. And what's fascinating too, is that this entire stellium is all in gate 11. Clarify what that, what I mean by that. So she has the sun, Saturn, Mercury, Uranus, and then your unconscious Uranus and do you have any other unconscious planets in gate 11? No, it's just my unconscious Uranus. Okay. So five planets all in gate 11. And this is the gate of ideas. So this is literally about uh, people with gate 11 defined have a like access to all kinds of ideas. They just come to them constantly. It's like, always wanting new information, like all the ideas come coming to mind and then being so could potentially be so overwhelmed by all of these ideas that you don't really know which way to go. One of the, one of the wisdom, wisdom pieces about this gate is that not all ideas are for that person. So that is kind of one of the saving graces about this gate, but yeah. So I'd like to turn it over to you. If you have anything to add about interpretation as just like kind of how does, how does it function, whether it's human design or astrology, and then we'll get into your real life experience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How does it function? Okay. I feel like you really, you really hit the nail on the head in terms of like how it functions, you know, and like you were saying about the third house being very in the mind, right. Third house being ruled by Gemini. And I have this in my chart where my houses and my, the houses and the sign that those houses are in are polar opposites. So I have a lot of this, like, I, some people, when people say it to me, they either say like, oh, you have this beautiful balance or, oh, you seem like you have this push and pull. And I'm like, yes. And like, it's, it's all of those things where it just feels kind of like, it feels like a party or like when I'm, when I really, when I get into my chart, my chart feels like a big party where everyone's wearing opposite costumes is that, I don't know if that really makes sense or if that's a great analogy, but it makes sense to me. <laughs> I think that's great. Yes, We're, I would agree. 
I mean, that is the analogy that I usually use to explain how the different layers of the astrology chart functions. Like the house is the stage, the planets themselves are characters, and the signs are the costumes that they're wearing. (laughs) Yes, yes. And that's, so it's interesting when I think about my Mercury placement in the third and Sag, it feels like I mean, I don't know if it feels this way because it's mine, but it just feels very correct there. Being that third house is usually ruled by Gemini and Mercury rules Gemini. And there's just, yeah, I feel like my ability to communicate works really well when I'm in my community or in small groups, which feels very Which is the third house, by the way, for people listening. Small groups, neighbors, small communities is third house, just to clarify for our listeners. Right, right. But yeah, I would say that that in terms of how it functions, like you really hit the nail on the head. And it's interesting, something that you said about being overwhelmed by ideas. In terms of personal experience, it's funny to recognize that like, yeah, this whole stellium, except for my unconscious Saturn are all in gate 11. And in terms of like feeling, you had said something about sometimes there's so many ideas, they can feel overwhelmed by them that yes, I don't know if this is just something that I did naturally, but like sometimes when I talk to folks who have totally open head and ajnas, that that can feel, they can feel really overwhelmed by their ideas. I guess, yeah, I guess what I want to say is that I don't usually feel overwhelmed by my ideas. I don't feel as overwhelmed by ideas as I feel... And I don't know if that's just because I've been practicing meditation since my early twenties and that helped. I can definitely say that, yes, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, when I was in my early twenties, that, yeah, I would feel overwhelmed by my ideas or I would feel stifled into inaction because I wouldn't know what the correct answer was for something, but I definitely can go off on tangents, which I think is very gate 11. Like I love digging into ideas. I feel like gate 11 is the place where like the possibilities become the concrete ideas. And it's, that's, it's fun to like explore them. And so I think it's the exploring of ideas that like I can get lost in my ideas and Mm -hmm. never really bring any of them to fruition or know what to do with them more so than feeling like, oh, I have so many ideas. I don't know how to sort through them. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. Right. Because gate 11 is right on in the, um, so it's, that's how I'm processing all of those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With how your gate 11 is functioning. And I love that you make the distinction that you don't necessarily get overwhelmed maybe in, in your younger years, perhaps, but not at this point. And I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that Saturn is actually in this gate because Saturn is like about learning how to grow up like and becoming a little bit more disciplined and finding supportive structures, especially when Saturn is in Sag because Sag is like, screw structure, (laughs) you know, (laughs) all the flow, all the, let me be free. Yes. Um, (laughs) So when Saturn is in um, Sagittarius, it's more about like, okay, how can I create some structures that actually give me the freedom that I crave? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Like it's definitely one of those things that I can very easily, like I have no problem daydreaming. I have no problem like mind mapping, doing all those things. You know, I think about, um, I worked with a coach or and, like I have a coach right now and I love her. And sometimes she's like, I want you to just daydream about this for a while. And I'm like, girl, do not give me that as homework. I will literally get nothing done. It's the like actual concrete planning that, that I need to, that I do embrace now. And that I have had to teach myself to embrace because yeah, I mean, who wouldn't love, I don't know. Did you ever hear about Epicurus? He was a Greek um, philosopher who created a community of folks, and I don't know where, but um, he created a community of folks that was all about exchanging ideas and 
essentially like eating good. Like, I don't, I think this is where the word Epicurious around food comes from, but they had like a Mm. big garden. And the idea was you can be a part of our community if you are open to having discussions about everything. If you can be open to having a myriad of people and like a huge diverse group around you. And if you'll work in the garden, like that was their whole thing. You work in the garden, you eat, you talk about all these big ideas. And that to me sounds great. Like that is is like my dream. I don't need, like, I feel like, oh great. Yeah. I don't need to do anything else. And of course, like his commune failed because communes usually do because they don't have a lot of structure, but that's a conversation for another time. (laughs) (laughs) That does sound great though. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I could, can we try? Can we try? I'm all about it. And I think that there has to be a way to do it. I mean, that's kind of the long-term goal is to have something very similar to that. But yeah, yeah, Yeah. it is interesting that yes, my Saturn is there. And I would definitely say that post-Saturn return, I feel much less overwhelmed by ideas. And now, and and like I said before, I think that it also has a lot to do with the fact that for me, a meditation practice was super helpful. It allowed me to acknowledge my ideas, let them be there, and then let them pass through. There's a great book about transcendental meditation by David Lynch. And I'm a film nerd and I love David Lynch called Catching the Big Fish. And I read it back when I was like 21, 22. And he talks about when you are fishing, you sit on a lake, right? And the first fish that you'll see, the ones that swim like close to the surface, are really, are like the smaller fish, right? The ideas that come to you when you first get into meditation are all of the like mundane blah, blah, blah stuff. Like, oh, my butt hurts or this and that. And then you wait and you, your, your sinker goes deeper, right? And as you get deeper into meditation, that's when the the bigger ideas come up and the bigger fish, right? And it's all about using transcendental meditation to for your creativity. It was so, it was such a nice way to allow all my ideas to just like live in their pond. And I don't have to give, I don't have to give them all attention at at one time. And the other thing about this gate is that it's about ideas that then become belief systems, which is why I think I enjoy like philosophical conversations so much. And like you said, Sagittarius being the philosopher that I really can, I mean, you know, like the whole Epicurious example as well. Like I could sit in a garden and talk about life and our philosophies and belief systems and growth and transformation just for hours on end. Now, would that accomplish anything? Probably (laughs) not, but oh my gosh, would it be pleasurable? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, yeah, go ahead. Well, so Sagittarius is such an interesting sign because of it, its nature of, of exploring ideas and, and philosophizing and exploring the higher consciousness and things like that, it, which is very uh, much a, an air quality, but yet it's a fire sign and fire signs, the fire element is very focused on action. So mm-hmm. it is such an interesting sign in in that sense because there is such a component of it that like wants to do and take yeah. action, but also like can we explore things first? Can can our action be based off of exploring? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I feel like so I'm also a four six in human design. So my first 30 years were all lived like a third line. And like, I really did it to it. My dad is, mm-hmm. a, my dad is a three, six. And I don't know if I was super conditioned by, I mean, I know I was conditioned by my parents. Obviously we all are, but I was so experimental in the first 30 years of my life and so exploratory. I mean, I, when I was 20, I had a mental breakdown in college. And after spending some time in patient treatment, like I would say, Oh God, what was it about three weeks, four weeks after I left inpatient treatment, I had decided I was going to go woof in central California. And my parents, I don't know why they thought that was a good idea, but like, whatever, like, let me drive across the country (laughs) by myself 
you know, never had done that before in my life, completely by myself to an unknown location, like a farm in central California to go work on this farm. And it was, it was such a like wonderful. And like, that's kind of like that set the tone for like the rest of my twenties was just like, Oh, I'm going to go explore this thing now. And like, Oh, I'm going to go do this thing now. And that was great. And then around the time of my Saturn return, those explorations just became not that they weren't intentional before, but they became much more intentional post Saturn return. And I would say that now it's a lot less like exploring for the sake of gaining experience and instead exploring the values of what that experience gave me, like just diving deeper into what, what exists, what's, what's here at home. Mm. Um, if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah but that I love what is... you said about it being yeah, an air quality because being in my third house ruled by Gemini air sign like there's just so much like I said right it's like this party where you're like you keep taking off people's masks and you're you're like wait who yeah. are you underneath <laughs> this? oh gosh yeah I mean that was I don't know if you did this intentionally you maybe have maybe did but <laughs> your that was such a good explanation of the transition of phases of life for the sixth line yeah I I mean that intentionally but like when I look at my life I'm like oh oh that is a very real thing (laughs) those phases are very real Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I know that you have this beautiful offering called the Saturn passage. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's this offering that is about helping people through their Saturn return, right? Yes. Yes. Is it, is it for people currently in their Saturn return or is it for people to prepare or post or So yes. And the Saturn passage is, was developed with folks currently going through their Saturn return in mind. So you will still get benefit. If your Saturn is in Pisces and you're not going into your Saturn return until next year, you will still get benefit from this. However, if your Saturn's in Aquarius going through this right now is going to give you tools that you can really start applying. The goal is to give you not only the tools, but the confidence in using them, because I feel like a lot of workshops that I was researching when I was doing this, there's a lot of stuff presented and then there's not a whole lot of integration. So it's like, cool, I have this toolbox and I literally don't know how to use this wrench or like where I, where do I put it? You know? So a big part of the Saturn passage is about embodiment. We go through your human design, your Saturn placements, the lessons and the themes that you're going to be encountering, which might feel super validating because you might already be going through that stuff. I'm a firm believer that your Saturn return, because it is a larger planet, you start feeling it the year or so before, right? You've got that shadow period and then you've got the shadow period afterwards. So for myself, and I'm a sixth line, so my Saturn return was going to just be that much more impactful. I would say that my Saturn return started when I was 28, like the year before I actually went that, that the year before Saturn actually passed through my natal. Right. And then when I was 29 was like, there was the moments where Saturn passed through my natal and it, it retrograded. And I had like three moments throughout that year. And then there was a whole year and a half afterwards of integration. So like there's plenty to be gained wherever you are in your Saturn return. And in fact, it can be really helpful if you've already passed that peak. And now you're like, shit, how do I integrate this stuff? Because a lot of what we focus on is the embodiment of that in, and the embodiment of like what you're coming into post Saturn return and, and how that's going to affect who you are and the way that you interact with the world. Such a potent offering. When I first entered into owning my identity as an astrologer, Hmm. a lot of people told me you should have a Saturn return offering. Mm-hmm. It's like, maybe, maybe I should. I mean, I am Saturn ruled. There's a lot to be learned, yeah. yada, 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 but it just never felt right. But I, but that doesn't mean it's not a great idea. You know, like it's for someone. So I'm so glad that you're doing it. And 
I I'm just curious, like, where did this come about? Like this, was this because of your own Saturn return experience or something else? Yeah, I, I would say, yes, it was be a big part of it was because of my own Saturn return experience. I felt when I was going through it, it was such a, I mean, my, I like had a full trajectory that I was on pre Saturn return and all of that, almost all of that got totally burned down during my Saturn return. And, and I think when I was going through it, there was only one offering that I came across that was for a Saturn return offering. And part of me was interested in it. And then the other part of me felt so grounded in, no, this is for me to do. Like, this is really something that I need to go through and take notes and and be really conscious of what I'm doing during this time. My mother is, has always said like journal, write everything down. And my journaling practice exploded during my Saturn return. I created an incredible journaling habit. So that is part of Saturn passage, not to scare Mm -hmm. anyone away. We talk about what journaling is, what's the point of it, how to do it, different types, because there's not one way and there's many different ways to record this stuff, but it is the recording of it. And then the being able to ask myself questions and create the physical connection between writing my answers down as well. So when I finally felt like I was coming out of it, I would say, I thought I had finished in 2019. I thought that like, okay, great. 2018's over. Like my Santa returns over. I'm done. And 2019, I then spent integrating all of that. And that I think was the biggest lesson. And it was during 2019 that I thought I I wasn't even doing human design professionally yet. I was still very much focused on being a body worker. And I thought, man, it would be really cool to do, it'd be really cool to do that, like to help people through their set of return, just because now I've seen it and I've, I've like gone through those nine layers of hell and back. Right. And not everyone's set of return is going to be super difficult. Sometimes people kind of float through it and whether that's because of their placements or because of work that they have done previously or because of they may be in denial about it. Either way, that's okay. That's totally okay. You're going to get another opportunity when you're 58. So (laughs) don't worry. Like your Saturn return is going to return again. After I came through it and once I started working with folks in human design, what I started to notice was that there was a lot of stuff that seemed to be unresolved from folks Saturn returns. So there will be another offer specifically for how to like, you know, oh, you feel like you missed the prom kind of a thing, like where you feel (laughs) like, oh, maybe I didn't fully integrate my Saturn return and now I want to do that. And that is on the horizon. But when Saturn passage came through, it was something that I always end up talking to folks about is my Saturn return or their Saturn return, whether that's the focus of our sessions or not. It Mm -hmm. always comes up. It comes up in casual conversation. And my, one of my friends who is also an entrepreneur was like, this is an offering. Like you have an offering here. You should just build it. And so I spent a few months tossing it around. I kind of came up with the idea at the like summer, end of summer, 2020, and then didn't really do anything with it. And then the beginning of this year, it just came back around. And I was like, you know, let me just toss around some ideas. And the more I started journaling about it, actually, (laughs) the more concrete it became and the more a curriculum developed. And so I feel very, it feels very organic and it feels very fluid and the trajectory of it feels really supportive. I wanted folks to feel like they were actually investing some time in things. And also that it doesn't have to take over your life. Like your Saturn return doesn't have to take over your life. And so neither should this course, (laughs) but yeah, I felt like I didn't have, I didn't have the language when I was going through my Saturn return to be able to talk about it myself or be able to talk about it with other people. As you were, as you were speaking, I was looking at your chart and it's just interesting to me because your son is conjunct so many things and one of those being your Saturn. And when we have planets conjunct the sun, 
those planets become engulfed in our identity. Mm -hmm. And this direction that you're taking with your business is such a like sun conjunct Saturn thing. Like I am actually stepping into owning like everything about Saturn, like everything about my own Saturn, what Saturn does in general and how it can actually be a helpful tool rather than a destructive tool. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like there's so much, oh, it's the word I'm looking for. There's so much talk about how, oh, the Saturn return, it's super scary. Like everything's going to get burned down. And it's like, yeah, like a lot, like I did that. Like a lot of my life definitely got, I mean, like I, I got a divorce. I moved out of my house. I moved across the country. Like I, again, you know, there's a lot of fear around Saturn and the Saturn return, but it's the transformation that can happen there is so Oh God, there's not a word in the English language that means like healthy and progressive and, but bigger than just healthy. Like it is, it, Saturn can be a very supportive planet because Saturn wants you to grow. Saturn wants you to be better, to like really step into your power, to step into your life, live it, like live your life. And that's why we're being presented with those lessons. You know, it can feel like limitations. It can feel like restrictions if we're not focusing our energy on like, oh, okay, I'm being restricted here, but like, maybe that's because that's not what's correct for me. And so when you can, when you become a little more limited, right, your focus moves inward and you can start to really identify with what do I need? What does my body need? What does my soul need? Or however you want to, you want to call that essence, that, that core part. And for everyone, that's going to be a little bit different. And that's, what's so beautiful about it. And that was the other reason why I wanted Saturn passage to be built as it was, is because I didn't want people to feel like they had to do one thing or the other. You don't have to divorce your partner maybe this is an opportunity for the two of you to grow in a different way or grow better or whatever. Maybe you don't need a partner right now, whatever it is, or maybe your career is supporting you, but there's other things you need to change. You know, like we, we look, I think to these big, like, you know, like the big four or whatever, right. You know, it's like, Oh, do I need to change my job, my relationship where I live or like what I'm eating, you know, (laughs) like you pick those things and then Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I'll change one of these four things. But underneath all of those is a myriad of other options. And like we were talking about earlier, when you open your awareness, when you become more aware, you have more choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) This is (laughs) so good. This is so good. So I just kind of want to offer a little bit of like traditional astrology knowledge in in regards to the Saturn return. So anyone kind of listening to this might find it valuable, but yeah. So traditionally speaking, there are some indications that would let us know how extreme your Saturn return might be. And one of those indicators is, is in regards to sect Basically, if you have a day chart or a night chart, and it is as simple as it sounds. If you're born during the day, you have a day chart. If you're born during the night, you have a night chart. Um, However, yeah, it sums up your day. (laughs) Right. But however, there's obviously periods of the day and the night that are in transition. So if you're in those transition times, such as, such as myself, I was born at 707 PM, but in Mm. the summer. So, Mm. right. So All you got to do is you look at your chart and you look at the ascendant and descendant line. And if your sun is above that line, then you're a day chart. If it's below that line, then you're a night chart. So when you have a night chart, Saturn is the biggest baddie of the bad. (laughs) So that can lead your Saturn return to feeling more extreme and, and more challenging. If you have a day chart, Saturn is not your most malefic planet, but Mars is. So it's not like you're getting off easy, but so a day chart person might not have as of an an extreme Saturn return as a night chart. But 
what I want, what I wanted to offer here in this conversation is that Alexandra has a night chart. Mm-hmm. So her, like we said, her Saturn and her son are conjunct. They're in the third house. So it is a night chart. So she's sitting here post Saturn return saying it's doesn't have to be all of this like turmoil. We can actually work with it and find what is best for you without maybe destroying everything because, Hey, I destroyed things. Doesn't mean you have to destroy things. So I just wanted to offer that to anyone that is kind of feeling like, Oh no, the Saturn return is going to be the worst part of my life. And maybe you already knew about the night chart situation and that's what you have. And so now you're like, yeah, I know it's going to be terrible. No, just (laughs) because of that. Yeah. Yeah, Just because of that doesn't mean that it would be terrible. There are, oh man, I, I feel like Pluto and Scorpio generation people are like, Bring me all the juicy transformation possible. If that means I have to burn things down, then let's burn things down. So, I mean, you might be totally ready to face that kind of destruction. I don't know. You know yourself, right? So I just think that it's just an important part of the conversation of like, there are many different ways to walk through this time of your life. No matter what the chart necessarily says, there are options in your awareness, as you have been saying this whole time. Yes. Yes. I love that you bring up the words malefic and benefic. And and I love using those words because I think that very often, you know, like when we talk around Saturn returns and whatever, it's like, oh, it's bad. It's terrible. It's blah. But like when we think about using the words malefic, benefic, it allows for the gray area of just because something is uncomfortable doesn't mean it's bad. Or just because something has to change doesn't mean it's bad. And it's not to say that when you go through your Saturn return that like, oh great, everything pre-Saturn return doesn't matter. Like that matters even more. Like I have so much more compassion for the person I was pre-Saturn return. I'm so much more in love with that version of Alexandra because she was so imaginative and she was so exploratory and during the time it was very difficult to love that person and reconcile her with like, oh, but I need to be an adult or I need to be doing these things in order to like meet the criteria of being a good human. And now I can look back and be like, oh my God, baby girl, you were, you were doing that. And so much of the work that we do in Saturn Passage is having compassion for where we came, like who we were and where we're at, because without that compassion, without being able to recognize the good and the value, then of course it's going to feel like, yeah, you're starting from total scratch, but you do have value you can pull through. There's so much that like I pulled through my Saturn return that hasn't changed about me. Like I will always love good cheese. Like that's never going (laughs) to change, but that feeds into like my value systems right? Like that feeds into, okay, if I love good cheese, then like, I got to afford it. And I got to, you know, like, how do I then navigate that in my life and be a person who likes good cheese and wine and, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but you know, anyway, just more reason to create that, that commune. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a big burn down and it doesn't have to be bad, you know, like it can be scary and it can be uncomfortable but there's some juiciness in that. And yeah, that could be my Pluto and Scorpio (laughs) speaking. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, but regardless, I mean, I feel like if, if the Pluto and Scorpio generation is going to teach other generations, anything, it is that keeping the status quo, just to keep the status quo and not make waves is not the useful thing all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We talk about this in Saturn passage that our institutions, our society is set up to maintain that status quo. And interestingly enough, when, and I, this comes back around, bear with me. When I was studying to be a craniosacral therapist, one of the first things you learn is that the body wants to keep homeostasis. Now, 
wouldn't it be healthier if instead of trying to maintain a status quo, we maintained a homeostasis, right? A homeostasis in our society, in our institutions, in how we relate to one another. It's not about homogenizing. The body doesn't want to homogenize. The body just wants to keep these interdependent elements working in equilibrium. That's not status quo. That doesn't resist change. That doesn't resist growth. In fact, it allows for growth and change because nothing is staying static, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> that makes complete sense. And I just feel like many people in our generation of Pluto and Scorpio, perhaps, or maybe smaller subsets of generations. That's, I mean, ultimately what we are wanting. Like, I don't think that, you know, the large majority wants no structure and no authority or anything like that. It's, it's more of finding the right mix so that we can be, and I, and I'm, I'm very thankful for you to explain that because I think you finally have put words to what I, I personally have been feeling of what I'm desiring from this, you know, all the things that are going on in the world right now. And like what that, the bigger meaning of it, because I'm like, yeah, like burn down those, those structures. Like, yeah, we, we need major reform on all kinds of things. But I think it's been so hard for us to verbalize exactly what we require and want for the other side. And I think you were yeah. able to, to detail that. It's, it's homeostasis. It's, mm-hmm. it's that these things need to be structured in a way to allow for basically everyone and everything to do what it is designed to do exactly and have its own growth process. And because if we continue to try to maintain a status quo, we limit that growth and nothing in the cosmos doesn't grow. Like everything in the cosmos grows. Everything in the cosmos is subject to transformation. So why are our systems not? Why are institutions not? And I think that there is a lot to be said for stability, but stability with within interdependence, right? Requires that, where was I going with that? Stability within interdependence requires that we allow for change, that we allow, like you said, each thing to do the job it was designed to do. I have a a fantastic visual to, to explain. I was talking to my neighbor the other day and she has a history of of being a sailor. She's like, yes, she has a a, a very fascinating life story. But anyway, so she was explaining about when she was in sailor school, where they had to learn about how boats are built and just those, the structure and everything. And she said that they were watching a video of, of a boat that was in the ocean and the ocean was having some major waves going on. And so the, the, camera from what I pictured anyway this might not be exactly (laughs) what happened but it was like as like imagine that the the camera is on the ship and you can see the I don't know boat terminology you can see the The front end (laughs) (laughs) you can see the bow and she said it was terrifying to watch because the boat was literally flexing like in different ways Yes. Yeah. Boats are not solid structures. They're not meant to be solid structures. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She was like, it was terrifying to watch, but I learned that that was actually a very well-constructed boat because it would allow to, you know, move with the waves, but also not fall apart at the same time. Yes. Yes. And I think we have this idea We've lost maybe, and oh God, here I'm going to go, maybe because we've lost some touch, some, some touch of being very integrated into our natural world. We've lost touch with the idea that stability does not mean static. Stability does not mean um, immovable, mm-hmm. right? We have all these concrete structures, but like concrete can't move concrete can't bend concrete can't flex 
Right. Um, and in fact, when the ground underneath it does, yes. the concrete cracks and right. it, it's no longer in its, in its most, what is the, what is the, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It's lost its integrity. That's what yes, yes, yes. Right. And we can see that we can see that in our, in our social justice system right now, we can see that in our educational institutions. I mean, it's, it's, we are cracking. And so it's time if we're going to rebuild, right? Like everyone talks about like, let's rebuild something better. Let's, you know, then whatever we rebuild with needs to be made out of a material that can allow for flexion and growth. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think about ourselves personally as well, we try to build these foundations for ourselves that are very solid and very, you know, square and, and concrete. Right. And it's like, I'm going to get this job and it has this, this is my pay. And this is my thing. And this is my trip or even, or like, this is my trajectory. Like this is my plan. And that doesn't allow for us to grow or flex or expand or, or be able to receive, right? Whatever comes at us, right? Because we become immovable. <laughs> oh man, this, it, it was such a juicy conversation that I wasn't necessarily <laughs> expecting, but I don't know why I didn't expect it with a Sagittarius Stelly. So, you know, we're, we're about at, at time, but yeah. I want to say thank you for such, for such a rich conversation. And, and I just wanted to turn it over to you one last time. Is there anything that you would like to close this conversation with maybe some advice for people to take or anything, anything that comes to you? Yeah, no, I, I also want to thank you. This was so much fun. And, you know, it's, it's great to chat with other Alexandras and Alexandrias. I feel like we can, it very easily becomes a big, like, I don't know. I just, yeah, I think there's something to that defender of mankindness. Yep. Like we, we um, can save the world. <laughs> we can somehow save the world. But I love, I just, I love what we were just finishing with about, you know, structures and being immovable. And I think that that's one thing I know for myself, I really resisted my Saturn return. Once I started feeling the shadow of it, I became immovable and I really resisted it. And I think that's why mine was such a tumultuous time was because I resisted it. And so that's where I, the Saturn passage came from was in order to give people a structure for themselves that felt a little more flexible, that felt a little bit more receptive so that when these changes happen, as these transformations happen, you can move through them and move with them. And I honestly think that if we start there, you know, we start with ourselves, it's so cliche, but you start with yourself and that change will ripple out. You know, it changes the way you relate to other people. It will change the way you relate to your systems. It will change the way that communities relate to other communities. So yeah, I just, I, I guess I'm hopeful, but again, I'm an optimistic Sagittarius. So what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's good. I think it's good to end this on such a hopeful note because yeah, I mean, some of the things that we've talked about can be can feel heavy and yeah. like a and lot. Yeah. 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 Not, yes. Not that there isn't a place to feel that heaviness and to feel the impact, but the challenge or more of a challenge sinks in when we just want to live there always. Yes. yes. So, or resist it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or resist it. Like, I don't mm -hmm. want to be in the yucky. And it's like, it's a yes. And you can have both. Right. You can mm -hmm. have both. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Pleasure. You. Yeah. Yes. Oh, awesome. Well, you have a great one. You too.